0: What's going on everybody? The podcast with Pete Forsey. Thanks for tuning in. We got a good show lined up for you here today. A little bit of a different start. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I will say I have just sat down on a Wednesday. Usually we come to you on a Tuesday but as you get older some of you I'm sure like me are about 26, 27, 28 years of age. Perhaps you're in your 30s. Mom and dad obviously you're older than that. But, you know, getting over a weekend kind of takes a little bit longer, and I kind of had that as my case this week, and it's becoming miserable. You know, you just start to weigh the pros and cons, and is it worth it? And that kind of pushed my week back a day, so that's why we're coming at you on a Wednesday, and I'm kind of glad that it lined up this way. We had big news in the sports world. We had big news in the world world as far as outside factors influencing the games that are going to be played here in big tournaments Yeah, I'm talking about the coronavirus. I'm going to weigh in on that because now it's in my world. It's in my sports world, and it's affecting what's going on. So we'll hit on that. I'm going to talk about my final predictions for NFL free agency, specifically the quarterbacks, and how next week's going to line up. Additionally, we'll hit on spring training. The Cardinals, quick hitters there as far as what I think – uh, position by position with that St. Louis team. I'll also talk about the Bonds, Barry Bonds athletic story that broke on Sunday, how it's blasphemy, what he threw out there. We got a great episode lined up for you. 39, the podcast. Let's get to it. We begin with the topic, the topic that seems to be just dominating literally everything it's the coronavirus. I am readily admit that when it comes to me, I'm pretty sheltered on current events, whether we're talking about a war, a virus such as this, a presidential election. I really don't pay too much attention to it. For better or for worse, I really just stick to my interests. Um, Again, sounds bad, but that's what I do. But when it comes to something like this, sometimes... It's going to infiltrate into what I, you know, keep my eyes on most of the time. And I remember my co-worker who sits exactly right next to me, desk to desk, he said one day after the new year, man, this virus in China is a pretty big deal. At the time, I didn't know what he was talking about. He explained to me that it's called the coronavirus and China is piling up deaths day by day and it's starting to spread across their country. And I said, hmm, and that's unfortunate, but that's pretty much the only thought that I gave it. Just because I'm not in China, I live in the USA, not really going to affect me, at least not yet. Then I learned that, of course, inevitably, some of it came over to the USA. A, a case here, a case there, but of course it hadn't had an outbreak yet. Then we got to the outbreak. I started paying a little more attention to it. I started listening just to take precaution now on Wednesday the 11th of March it's been announced that the NCAA tournament will not be allowing fans into their games additionally before this news dropped the Golden State Warriors said they were not going to hold any games open to the public and the Seattle sports teams the Dragons the Mariners here in a few weeks They won't either. Seattle, I guess, is leading in cases. And it just goes to show this is not good for business. This will affect sports big time, the bottom line. And when it all started coming out today, what I started to think about was the upcoming CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement for the NFL. And the reason being is that a big tug and war between players and owners is who is taking on the risk. Who is taking on the risk here the players who are playing the violent game of football are the owners, and the players always contend that it's them. But here's a perfect example of a situation where the owners have plenty of risk. Something as big and as rare, but as deadly, literally and figuratively, to a business, a coronavirus, the owners of sports teams have plenty of risk. They can open up. Their stadiums and make money in situations like this. So when a NFL player says we're taking on the risk, and I understand we're talking about a rare situation, but this isn't the first case. Excuse me, first case of a time when a deadly virus went around. Two thousand eight, H one N one, it was called influenza. Back in the early, uh, I guess nineteen twenties, nineteen tens. This stuff happens. This stuff happens. We all know about terrorist attack. Those are unfortunate too. But these other risks that owners take on beyond such uh, maybe something less egregious like a fan falling from the, you know, 300 level in a stadium and then he dies and then his family sues the owner. Does Jimmy Garoppolo take on that risk? No, it would be the San Francisco 49ers. So this is a reminder, while it is a one-off, there is still plenty of risk. For NFL odors. Still plenty of risk. And you. I mean this is life right. These are specific examples. But it's affecting a lot of people. Coronavirus unfortunately is infiltrating. Into the USA. Hopefully everybody starts washing their hands. Hopefully they start putting the right things in their bodies. The fluids. And don't touch things that they don't need to. But I couldn't help but make the connection. After the cancellation of Not the cancellation of games, but cancellation of fans attending those games. I couldn't help but think, with the upcoming CBA in the NFL, not always the players that take the risks. The owners have plenty of risks, too. Let's kick it over to Barry Bonds. The guy is incredible. He sits down for an interview with the athletic Andrew Baggerly. He asks for forgiveness. Or admits, I should say, that he would go about his treatment to the fans, media, and public alike differently if he had a second go around with his career. And then he continues to exude his arrogance by talking about himself in the highest of colors, in the highest of light, I guess I should say. It's, it's incredible. Barry Bonds, um, yeah, look, I, I think I've made it pretty much clear on where I stand on him as the Hall of in the Hall of Fame. Where I haven't been as transparent is what I think of him as a player. I think he's one of the most cerebral hitters that we've ever seen. I think he's one of the most refined hitters that we've ever seen. Just that stance and the power and the torque that he created to hit the ball to all fields and be a complete hitter. He's known for the home runs, 762 of them. He was able to do it all, even before the performance-enhancing drugs, prior to 2001— which is when he got on, as he calls it, the shit, because he was mad at Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. He knew they were using, they were getting all the hits in '98, all the all the fame in '98, and he said, "Okay, I'm going to get on this now." Even prior to that, he was a Hall of Famer. He was on track to be that. Three MVPs. I mean, that's kind of the the golden rule. If you get three MVP awards in your career, you're pretty much a lock to get in the Hall of Fame. It's just a long enough stretch of domination he ended up getting four more as we know. Barry Bonds is one of the best hitters we have ever seen and he's one of the hardest trainers, one of the most studious hitters that we know. If he opens up, when someone nowadays gets him to open up about hitting, you'll learn a lot. I learned a lot in this article by watching or excuse me, by reading about what he had to say about hitting overall and how it relates today to the game. It was a it was a good read. If you have The Athletic, if you subscribe, check it out. The problem that I have with Bonds is that he just continues to be this guy who, I'm not going to say plays the victim card necessarily, but he's so out of touch with how others feel and how his actions made others view him. Bonds, Bud Selig came out last year. Came out last year and said, how painful it was to watch you break the home run record, one, because of the embarrassment you brought to the game, and two, because he's close to Hank Aaron. But that right there says it all about how baseball views you. The former commissioner, one of the longest tenured ones, admitted I had to be there, but my God, I wanted to be anywhere else. Barry, this isn't a black ball. You haven't become a ghost because of Major League Baseball. It's been pretty clear to you, I think, and to everybody else, this was never going to extend past your last game. If you wanted to come in and coach, they would allow it because you technically didn't break any rules because you didn't fail drug test. Congress found that out. But yeah, they'll let you back in. We're not going to embrace you. We're not going to celebrate you. We're not going to have you speak publicly. If you want to come to spring training and throw batting practice, that's fine. If the Giants want to retire your number, we'll allow them to do that. Major League Baseball will not recognize it. They will not clap, clap during it. But, Barry, it's pretty clear. No one's wishy-washy in this situation. You brought shame to this game by deny, deny, deny until, you know, federal grand jury got to you and you said, okay, yeah, I did it. Barry, you're so out of touch. You said you would go about things differently and that you continue. Yet you continue to talk about yourself as God's greatest gift to the earth and God's greatest gift to baseball. I, look, maybe I don't say enough good things about the guy because he's a very good teacher from the sounds of it. it. Sounds like guys love listening to what he has to say. He implemented, he had a competitive drive he had dedication, discipline to training and to refining the cerebral part of the game that maybe I don't talk about enough. But he did throw it all away. He crossed a line that you do not cross. And like many times, with how he responded to the criticism during this steroid era, um, you know he continues to be out of touch with reality. And Barry, it's not wishy-washy. It's pretty dog unclear. Major League Baseball will not celebrate you. They'll allow you to be in it, but it's never going to be a buddy-buddy thing. It's crazy to think about it, but a week from now, Tom Brady could have a new team that is not the New England Patriots. That's how close we are to this. Now, I really think there will be a Brady effect in this whole free agency. I think it's going to be slow. I think everyone is going to wait until he goes on tour to visit every team that he wants to. Maybe that's going to be big. Maybe that's going to be small. That's kind of the whole point in this entire thing. Not even Tom Brady knows what's going to happen because he doesn't know what the CBA is going to look like. He doesn't know what the Patriots potentially want to do as far as offering him a contract. Does he want to go about that first? Does he want to visit what's out there first and then go back to the Patriots? It's really something even the individual doesn't know to sit here and predict. You know, it's pretty it's pretty flawed. I mean, at this point in time, do I think he's going to return to New England? Yeah, but I'm not 100% sold. Bonds has already told Charlie Weiss nobody knows anything. Nobody includes him. I think it's it's really one of the more fascinating stories. And it's better for the NFL the longer into next week Tom Brady doesn't sign. It's better because the dominoes will continue to stay stagnant. And until he chooses his team, will other teams play off of that? How do opposing teams want to build their rosters with Brady potentially out of the division, in the division, on the schedule, other key pieces to surround him with? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. But by the time... We sit here next week. Again, it's March 11th. coming at you on a Wednesday. I do believe Tom Brady will be a Patriot. I think Robert Kraft steps in at the 11th hour. Doesn't let it happen. I'm looking at a two-year deal with 45 mil guaranteed. Now, where that goes beyond that as far as total value, I think it could go two years 65 potentially. I do, but of course, again, $45 million guaranteed as far as how we structure that exactly. I think most of it will be in that year one with maybe about eight million to $10 million dead cap second year. But besides the contracts, I really just think it's the better fit. It's the better fit. Kraft loves you. Good owner. Obviously a great GM and head coach. Belichick will convince him. Tom, I've done it a million times. I've done it a million times where I let guys go, skills players, offensive linemen, defensive players. I always make it work. I always get you players to make it work so we can function as an offense and have the deepest roster in the game to go win titles. Trust me once again. Here's my plan. Maybe he reveals a little bit. Here's my plan for this upcoming season, and that gets Brady back on board. I think he remains a New England Patriot. The second safest one, When we're talking about free agent quarterbacks, I'm going to hit on all of them. Drew Brees, he's going back to the Saints. Just a matter of getting the deal done. Phillip Rivers, I said I like him in another destination. I I, I think he makes the Colts, though. Perfect fit for the Colts. You know, Frank Reich, uh, offensive line. They're probably going to want to draft someone to be his successor eventually, probably two years down the line. I think he goes to the Colts. Jameis Winston, Los Angeles Chargers, I think they take a flyer on this guy. They just let a they just let a quarterback that was very interception-prone in Phillip Rivers, but who was also very good at managing volatility, they just let him go. I think they take a flyer on Winston before going to see what's in the draft next year or evaluating it this year and drafting the guy as well. Bridgewater, I think he goes to the Miami Dolphins. They showed interest before. This will give the opportunity for Teddy to start. Maybe they just want to run with him for a couple years and build the team around him to see what they got there. Beyond that, Dak Prescott, he's going to get tagged. He will be a Dallas Cowboy. It's just a matter of understanding how the CBA affects that. Again, that's going to be voted on this Saturday. And lastly, Ryan Tannehill. I think they'll re-up with him. They'll franchise tag him. Frankly, he better just sign that immediately. If I was Tennessee, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I, I think you'd be better off you know, trading for Derek Carr. I do not believe in Ryan Tannehill. I don't think he really improved last year. All we saw is what he did with Adam Gaze in Miami is when you spread it around, when you create open throws, when he has a good offensive line that will protect him and a play caller that under, understands his strengths and weaknesses, he's going to play better. I do not think he's worth a franchise tag even. I would look at Derek Carr in a trade. I would look at Andy Dalton in a trade if I was Tennessee Do I think they'll franchise him? Yes. That's what I think is going to happen. That's what I think is probably best off for everyone beyond the Tannehill. That's what we will see a week from now with the NFL. This is a little side note that I thought of earlier this week after the guy got hit by a pitch at a spring training game. Bryce Harper has been awfully quiet. Has he not? It has been quite the hush-hush offseason for the former MVP. The 2015 MVP, who, of course, last year was entering his first season in the $13, 330000000 million deal with the Phillies. In a year when we've had the Houston Astros, we've had plenty of talk. We've had plenty of talk from players, guys that are pissed off. And you know what? He may have said something. Not to, I'm not going to say he didn't address it, but he hasn't come out with a whole bunch of strong opinions. A guy who's been brash, a guy who's been known to opine quite a bit. The 27-year-old really hasn't been all that talkative. Really, I hadn't thought about him too much until he got you know hit by a pitch. And he came out, his hand's fine, he'll be okay, he'll be good to go for opening day. A guy that's got a new manager, Joe Girardi, old school. A guy who's used to having new managers usually gives his take on what his team looks like. The guy's been kind of minding his own business. The guy who had a disappointing year but put up a 125 weighted runs created. A 260 batting average, 372 OBP, 510 slug. He didn't really live up to expectations. And now he's gone the alternative route. I'm not going to speak so much. I'm not going to say, where's my ring, a.k.a. Washington National t- 2014, miss the playoffs. It's going to be interesting with Bryce. Is this the uh, the foreshadowing of maybe a breakout year? A breakout year at age 27, in your prime, another MVP award, and a reminder as to why he's making $25 million a year for the next 13 years. I don't know. It got me thinking. Been a while since we heard you, Bryce. You're as talented as ever. I got Albert Pujols on in the background talking to Harold Reynolds, and the tweet I sent out when Harper got hit by the pitch was that he's not Pujols, he's not Miggy, he wasn't Adrian Beltre in their prime when those guys could play through the nagging injuries or maybe even something a little bit more serious and still maintain production. That's what Bryce hasn't done. He's an elite talent, has great skill, but he hasn't shown, I can maintain production even while I'm hurt. Even I'm not going to say the slightest of injuries, but when he's banged up, the production falls. And that's why you wouldn't hand out a contract like the Phillies did to Bryce Harper. But maybe now, maybe now he's fully healthy. He's going to remind everyone, when I am healthy, this is how good I can be. I'm excited to watch Bryce. 2020 baseball, only a couple weeks away. All right, let's do some Cardinals spring training quick hitters. We're going to go around position by position, and I'm going to give my thoughts on the spring training and the outlook heading in a couple weeks from now to the 2020 season. We start in the outfield. How much worse could it get? I'm not talking about performances necessarily. Dexter Fowler, he can't hit a lick in spring against the worst of pitching. How much worse could it be? than having Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler as your outfield. That is horrible. It's horrible. Yasiel Puig still sits out there for the taking. For the taking, you probably got to give him one year, 13-14 mil. If he's hunting for a two-year deal, I don't see any problem giving him two years, Twenty million, two years, twenty-one million. You just might find a cleanup hitter because right now I don't know who's batting fourth for the Cardinals. Look at that outfield. Tell me there's not a spot for Yasiel Puig. We go to third base. Matt Carpenter, best shape of his life. Great. Still continues to have back trouble. Back trouble in spring training. When is the guy going to figure out the back? I mean, gosh, it's spring training. Can you ever come in healthy? Can you ever start a year? Can you ever just have a complete year? Rarely does he anymore. Gosh, he's always getting hurt. Paul DeYoung, steady Eddie. You know, we'll see if he gets run down again here in 2020. I don't think he will. I think they got a plan in place. Probably have Tommy Edmond play some shortstop. Jairo Munoz. I mean, he went AWOL. But you got Brad Miller. He can fill in there. Paul DeYoung will be a little bit more fresh in 2020. Colton Wong. Quiet spring, that equals good spring. Good to hear that for Colton. He's come in with a lot of questions in the past. He's obviously coming off his uh, you know well-cherished gold glove, and he had a career year at the plate. Let's see if he can continue that. It's been a good offseason for him. Paul Goldschmidt, a couple bombs I've seen already. Paulie Pavilion, I think he's going to get back to it. I think we're going to see the Paul Goldschmidt that really, really, again, I've said it many times, reminds me a lot of Edgar Martinez. Okay, I think we might see him again this year. Keeping on quiet off-seasons. Let's go to the mound. Carlos Martinez. It's been quiet. He's been healthy. Let me see it in the regular season. Double down there for Alex Reyes. I think he's going to make the club as a reliever. Might be his new role going forward for the rest of his career, at least as a Cardinals. It's been quiet. I want to see this health translate over to the rest of this baseball season into the regular season. Keeping it on relievers. I think... Daniel Ponce de Leon, he's pitched very well. I think he's going to make the team. Austin Gomber's pitched well. An embarrassment of riches. Cardinals got really good pitching, but Gomber's going to be the A opening day starter, I think. And really the rest of the bullpen, I think, is kind of figured out, really beyond the fact that you don't know where this lefty, Kike. Uh, the lefty Japanese reliever, I think he's going to be a starter. I think the Cardinals really want a left-handed starter and I think they're going to give him the best shot to open in the rotation with Wainwright, with Flaherty, with Martinez, and with Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson, peripherals don't really look so good. I really like his sinker ball, though. I think he's an elite sinker ball thrower. If anyone's going to remain effective with that pitch in the major leagues, it's going to be Dakota Hudson. I don't care about pitcher wins. I really don't. I know he had a lot of them last year. We'll see if he can continue that. I think he's got a pretty good shot. At catcher, Yadier Molina. Matt Wieters, Andrew Nizer. Nizer, enjoy AAA. I don't think there's any spot for you on the 26-man roster. Uh, Carrying three catchers, I mean, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. And if he's not going to play, there's no reason for him to be in the major leagues. Yadier Melita, Matt Wieters, tag team at back. Cardinals, arrows pointed up, man. I think they take the Central in 2020. We're going to talk more next week on the NFL free agency period. It's going to be a blast. Quarterbacks are going this way, that way. We're going to have wide receivers entering the market, defensive linemen, tight ends. It's going to be bananas. It's one of my favorite times of year. you got spring training. you got the NFL free agency tour. Contracts coming out. They're official, but they're unofficial. Physicals have to be passed. It's all great. Tampering periods have to go by. Send me your questions, send me your DMs, at Pete4C. Hit up the text line, hotline, 816-226-7483. It's the podcast, it's Pete4C. Thanks so much for tuning in.